Welcome to the Amy Rushworth Show. I'm your host, Amy. I'm so glad you're here. I'm an empowerment and sexual wellness coach, breathwork teacher, podcaster, course creator, badass bitch, and a globally recognized thought leader on empowerment. And I'm here to help you if you're ready to fuck off the rules and create a life of unashamed, unapologetic pleasure and deep, deep confidence. I have a burning passion for the taboo and naughty areas of womanhood that we're not supposed to talk about, such as sexual wellness, bold self-expression, defying social expectations, and so much more. The topics that we're typically taught to shut up about or be ashamed of are the conversations I live for, and those are the kind of juicy, soulful chats that are going down on this show. My intention is for you to step into your most outrageously free, unapologetically expressed version of you. So if that sounds like a vibe, let's fucking go. Are you ready? Hey, Persia, how are you doing, babe? I'm wonderful. How are you? So good. So good to have you back on the show. It's been ages. You were like episode three of the show, and now you're back, and it's 2021. And the world's gone world, bloody mad. Yeah, the world ended <laughs> in between. Everything was like normal, you know? Do you remember? Because I think it was 2019. It was, babe. It was like early 2019. And so we were just thinking like the world is gonna be as it was forever until 2020 yeah, hit no. <laughs> oh my goodness this episode is going to be like the best timing ever as well because we're going to talk all about your area of specialty and genius which is you know love and romance and dating and I feel like this is really alive for so many women and feminine beings right now obviously having been in lockdown in some parts of the world for like a year and a half women in their 30s who are wanting to find their soulmate who suddenly weren't allowed to go out and date in the same way I feel like so many of my friends as well just got really shook up in this area uh, throughout 2020 and even still now so I'm excited for us to talk all about this and your new book that's coming out soon. Um, so uh, quick, uh, there it is, there it is. <laughs> so uh, in your book, babe, you have this kind of blueprint or this journey that you take your readers through, uh, heal, attract and commit. Mm -hmm. I would love if you could just break this down like super simply for us so that uh, we can hear more about this journey that you help women to go on in their love life. Well, let me start by saying the reason I, I kind of structured the book in that way, that's how my programs are structured. It's, it's absolutely what I had to do, um, take myself on that journey to, to get myself into a place where I was ready to attract the long lasting relationship that I said I wanted and that I did want. What I see too much of the time um, in the normal world and in the sort of world of personal development, and we, we kind of touched on this before we, we press record, but you know, what's really sexy at the moment is talking about manifestation. We all want to manifest our soulmate, the dream house and all those things. And that's great. And I'm not bashing that. However, as I learned the hard way, you may well manifest it fast, but if you haven't done the deep work around what you need to heal before you attract in that thing, then what will happen is it's going to have a shelf life. You will sabotage it. Something will go wrong. You won't be able to sustain it. And let me tell you, like 
I have worked so much on my love life, so much my relationship with myself. But, you know, you were talking there about coronavirus and the pandemic and how it's affected us all. Like, I've really, like, I feel like I've sort of backslid a bit, especially in 2021, in my relationship in every area, because we're going through something really, really traumatic. And so I have been reminded how important the heal part is. The healing part is often the part that, you know, I don't want to do the healing part. I want to jump to the attract and the commit because that's a lot <laughs> more. What you realize though, and, and I, you know, I, I tell it in quite a humorous way in this book is the attract part is always the magic part. The commit part, which we all think we want. So that might, in your love life, that means not just like, okay, you've attracted the guy, but now it's moving from that attraction and the dating part to the committed relationship of like okay and that, that's got various different stages that might be um you know meeting the parents and the families introducing to the friends moving in with one another getting engaged getting married buying a dog like there's there's so many various stages that come with that and what I've seen now coaching thousands of women is actually the commit part is where we all go batshit crazy because we get the thing that we say we want and then we freak out because really underneath it all we are terrified of love like we want it but we're terrified because it is so powerful if you've had your heart broken there's of course that that feeling of oh my god what if I allowing myself to be this vulnerable with someone what if I get my heart broken again that's part of it but what I found it was actually or what if I don't get my heart broken what if I have to stay for the rest of my life and that absolutely fucking terrified me and so, you know, all these gnarly behaviors start coming up. And one of the main things, the main culprits I'll see is the woman will attract that they're working with me. We work for however long they eventually, when they're ready to, they attract the person in who is everything they said they wanted on their little list that we work together through. And they'll say, oh, maybe, maybe it's just not right. This is what Ivan said. No, maybe I just don't fancy it. Maybe it's just friendship. Like all of these things. And it's like, this is who you said you wanted, but this is the, the one key difference. There's no drama because they want you back. They're very clear about how they feel about you. So when we don't have that romantic drama, when we don't have all those obstacles and challenges, we panic and we, find, we are looking for the nearest exit route. You know, that's why I was... I identified as a love addict and, you know, still, still can to, to a degree. I went to sex and love addicts anonymous for a long time because I had a real problem with cheating um, because I was terrified of commitment, absolutely terrified of it. Having grown up with parents who struggled with addiction. Um, and so I didn't really, you know, I didn't really understand what a healthy relationship was like for a long time. But I, yeah, what I learned in Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous is, you know, we might think that our problem is being addicted to love and obsessed by it and, and, not, and not ever, you know, feeling disappointed all the time. But what actually is underneath that is that we're a love avoidant because when healthy love shows up, we want to run away. And that's why we are programmed on a cellular level to be attracted to the emotionally unavailable fuckwit, you know, who's going to dick us around because then at least we know how that story goes might make us feel like shit but shit stinks but it's warm you know it's better the devil you know so the biggest part i think the the biggest lesson with with the whole framework of heal attract commit is realizing each of those phases have their own gifts and glorious things about them and each has some really difficult challenges that you will have to learn to navigate if you want to get to the castle you know you want to get to the castle you've got to swim the moat 
So that was quite a long-winded answer. (laughs) Amazing. We love it. Yeah. I also think, you know, like when you heal, maybe what you attract or what you're attracted to is going to shift also, right? Like if I think about myself before I did any inner work, the mess that I used to be, if I would have written down or even thought about this is what I want, it would be really different to what it is that I desire and I'm attracted to now uh, Mm -hmm. through doing that healing. And so I think also like a lot of women experience this in long-term relationships where they go on that self-development journey and then they suddenly realize like, I don't feel connected to this person anymore because, you know, I've changed and therefore like our relating has changed because I'm just, I want something else. I, I want something that is more true and authentic to who I really am. So that number one is the heal step. I love it. I'm all about it. Um, something else that Uh, I want to touch on is there are a lot of women who definitely follow me and who listen to the show who are really successful in their work. You know, they're successful business owners. They're really good at manifesting clients, manifesting results at work, you know, getting promoted, getting a pay rise, but it's love that is the tender area for them. It's the area that they can't seem to like, you know, nail. They can't seem to find that person that they're desiring, that they're seeking to call in. And it's really painful for them because they're like, why am I so good at this other thing? And why am I struggling in this area? Mm -hmm. And I know you talk a lot about this. So where do we start with these beautiful humans? Mm. So yeah, I really feel this. And I too, I have a lot of clients and, um, and friends as well who are completely would identify as you just said thriving in work super successful really high achieving and yet why is it for them that love just does not seem to be happening or is kind of sort of quite destructive and or toxic in in ways and I've got in the middle part of my book attract I've got a whole chapter on this and it's called how to be as successful at love as you are at work Um, because this is honestly the thing I get dm'd about so often um, what I would say is there's, there's many different areas to this. So the first is the things that make us successful at work don't necessarily make us successful in love, i.e. when we are at work, often we are operating out of that masculine energy, which is go, do, achieve, which is great. There's nothing wrong with that. And it's really important to preface this by saying Feminine is not better than masculine and masculine is not better than feminine. They're just different. And we all have both energies within us. Mm. So that's one thing. If you are trying to achieve at love, which I was for for a a good time because I identified as a a high achiever all my life, um, then that can be really that can actually be very repellent on in a dating or romantic context, because you know, there's a dating coach, Sammy Wonder, who said this, and I found it really powerful. She said something along the lines of, you know, a man doesn't fall in love with you because you have been super successful. You fly around the world. You've got a beautiful house, whatever it is, might admire you for those things. It doesn't fall in love with you. A man feels in love with you because of the connection he feels for you. So what can happen, what can happen with women who are really successful at work is they are used to kind of being successful, being in control. There may be a degree of a mask up that you know, they don't necessarily find it so easy to be vulnerable and open and let their walls down. 
The other side of this is, it's like, it's kind of the, the flip side of this is what I see all too often with women who are very successful is they do not display the same level of self-respect in their romantic life that they do in their work life. So with clients or colleagues, they, you know, can be really clear. These are my boundaries. This is how much I'm worth, blah, 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 blah. And when it comes to their love life, all of those things, they just, they don't pay attention to them at all. And they let men trample all over them. They accept shitty behavior. They don't speak up when they have a, you know, they have an issue because they're scared that the man will run away. So you need, so that's the other side of it is you need to display the same level of self-respect in your romantic life that you do in your work life. And this is really an art because it, you know, what I found for a long time, like even in my relationship with my now fiance, Joe, was that I would be too cutthroat and too like, like you've got to understand my boundaries, you respect my authority. Like, you know, I was really like that. And that's going too far the other way. Like it's, it really is a case of trying to get into balance and it's going to be messy. You're going to make mistakes, but there are tools that I share in the book that, that kind of really help with that and help you get clear on where, where does it, where do I need to be operating out of my feminine energy? Where do I need to be operating out of my masculine? And, and too, all too often I see that particularly successful women have it the wrong way around. They don't speak up and operate out of, the, out of their masculine at the times where it would serve them to, i.e. getting clear on what their boundaries are saying, if the guy's done something that has upset them or doesn't feel good to express that very much putting boundaries around sex and expectations. What does that mean? If you don't com communicate that if you have sex with this guy and you haven't had a conversation basically to say, I will not be okay if you have sex with someone else while you're having sex with me, they're not mind readers. Like they don't know that. You can't just expect them to know that. You have to be clear and intentional. And then the other side would be um, having a mind fart. Oh yeah, that, that women will often speak up or, or kind of lead and operate out the masculine in an area where it'd be better to let the man lead. So for example, it can be like constantly communicating and chasing them up and trying to, you know, organize that second or third or however many dates. That's, that's definitely what I did. And it's like realizing that as a woman, when you're feminine energy, some people get this confused and think, oh, it's passive because you're not necessarily acting, acting, acting. You're very much, there's a lot of um, receiving associated with the feminine energy. And what I've, what I've always understood is I'm like, you hold all the cards. As the woman, you hold all the cards. You might not realize this, and this is what I wanna get through. Even if a man doesn't fancy you and doesn't choose you, that's okay because all that is, if you can try and like not take it personally, you're like, that's just information, but this guy is not compatible for me. That's okay. If I went into a shoe shop and tried on a pair of shoes and they didn't fit, I wouldn't then curse my feet and like throw the shoe out and be like, oh. I'd just be like, oh, it's just not a fit. That's okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that that's knowledge is power. So when we just trust and get clear on what do I desire? What are my boundaries? All of this work that you can do before you even meet a guy. And then when that the hard bit comes, okay, now I have to implement it with every person I date. My whole ethos is be honest about what you desire what your intentions are what your expectations are you can do this in a really playful fun way I know this sounds like really heavy and like god that sounds like a really depressing first date when I met Joe I was at a festival it was all like very conversational and low-key I didn't think I was going to see him again which to be honest really helped 
you can <laughs> there's skill in this and that's why that's the whole point of you know why I do what I do I love coach women because it's like there are things that you just need to practice before you even get on the day and that's what I'm there to support women with yeah I think a lot of women are afraid to do that because you know, they think that they're going to get ghosted if they're too firm or too much. And I know for me in the past before I was with who I'm now married to, I definitely was like that earlier in my 20s where I would just try and be the cool girl. And so I would just be like, yeah, it's fine. Like, it's fine when really it was not fine at all. And you know, I was like trying to get the guy by being the cool girl, by not saying anything. And really like that didn't land me anywhere at all. And um, what I found when I met Tristan was that, and like his reflections to me since was like, he said that I was just like this queen energy. And he was like, you just like commanded respect just through how I was being. Um, And because it was like, it was similar to what you were saying of like, you never thought you were going to see Joe again, you're at a festival, it was kind of like, there was no high stakes. And when I met Tristan, I wasn't really interested in being in a relationship. I almost didn't go on the date. I just kind of went, because I said I would go and I was like, honoring my word to be at the cafe. But I was just like, I don't really care. Like, if I see you again or not, because like, I'm here to have fun. And if you want to like, meet my desires and needs then great um and it's so interesting because I never would have thought that like earlier on in my dating life that that would be a possibility through actually standing in my power Mm. and what was it what was it that made you want to stick around for him uh okay so I'll tell you what it was when we went on our first date it was really nice we got along but it was it wasn't like Um, you know, like the movies where it's like electricity. And so now in hindsight, I'm like, okay, great. So it wasn't a trauma bond, right? It wasn't like trauma bonding with him. But I remember leaving the cafe and thinking that was really nice. And you know what? If he asked me out again, I will totally go. But I, let's see. And Mm -hmm. within like 10 minutes of him leaving the cafe, he like messaged me and was like, I'd love to take you out again. Does this day work for you? I'll take you to this place that I had like somewhere I'd mentioned that I liked while we were talking. So I was like, okay, he listened to what I said. He took action. He's not waiting hours or days to message me. He was just being very like upfront and just very relaxed, but also attentive. And so I was like, okay, we'll go on a date. And it was just like that in the beginning where he would just be very like, he was leading, he was in his masculine, he was organizing dates, he was listening to what I wanted and he was taking action. And I was like, I like that. Mm-hmm. That And that's exactly it. Did you, did, in any way, because this is what I get all the time. Oh, that's really backwards. Like this is 2021. <laughs> Why should the man? I'm not, and I say like, it's not that the man should lead, it's that they really enjoy it. And I really enjoy a man taking me out for dinner and like sort of, like, there's no wrong or right here. It's just, it, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear like, did, did, did you feel in any way because he was leading that it made you lesser than? No, not at all. And we have like a very, like, we have a lot of equality in our relationship. Like, no matter what either of us has been earning, we've all, we always go 50-50 in everything. In everything. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So like, even when I was first starting my business, we would always do that. He would pay for some more of the dates because I was like studying and he was like a high, high end banker sort of, you know, was earning great money, but we've always been very equal in that sense. And so in terms of like his leadership, it's in like organizing dates. He'll also organize like the admin of the house, like making sure that the bills are paid on time, even though I'm helping to pay them. I'm like, don't want to keep track of that, but I'll be making dinner and like doing Mm -hmm. his washing so that he can work. So I think that sometimes there's this like, maybe it comes a bit from like feminine feminism and like this sort of independent woman thing where it's gone a little bit too far, where it's like, we could do everything ourselves. And I know that I can, because I've lived alone and done things on my own for years, but I don't want to do everything. I like it when he thinks of things that I'll like and organizes surprises and takes the lead and like Mm -hmm. drives us where we're going so that I can like do my thing. You know, I just, I enjoy it. Yeah. And also it's like you said, it's like you're giving back in different ways and and that's it. It's, you know, for a long time, my parents used to say this because I, when I was starting out with Joe, like I struggled because I thought, oh, all the like tasks say of living together have to be equal down the middle. And actually it's like, no, you do eat, you give equally, but they might be completely different things. Like I like you, I'm, I'm more of the, well, I kind of keeping the house in order. And so it's like a lovely space because I do that better than he does. <laughs> Joe, like still does, he drives us everywhere, has done from the day dot. Like there are so many different things that he, he will give in completely different ways to me, but it feels equal because yeah. You know, and and I think that that's really important. Like, if you want to share your life with someone, you've got to allow the space for them to give to you. It's not a negative thing, it's a positive thing. And you find your feet and in different, you know, relationships that looks different. Like with each person, you have to find your own dynamic of what feels good. And if something doesn't feel good, then you need to to just talk it through in a really healthy way. That's it. it, it is as simple as that. Yeah, I totally agree. Like we're the same with housework. Like we don't, we don't, you know, divide it down the middle and be like, I do this and you do this. It's just like Mm -hmm. reciprocity. Uh, Mm -hmm. But with the finances, we've always like valued like contributing equally, but we also have our own bank accounts. You know, we do our own thing. So this is why I don't get in trouble when I go to Chanel and and stuff like that, you know. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think the finance questions are really good. That's the same as me and Joe. Like we have a, a main bank account. It's funny because I feel no one talks about this. Why does, I think that's, this could be a whole new book that, and I won't write it for another five years because this one took five years to write. But like, I feel like no one talks about how they operate their money with their partner. It's like yeah. this weird, like, and I've, and so when friends have like said the odd thing, I'm like, really? I would have had no idea because we're very much similar. We've got our own money in our own bank account. And then we've got like the house one that we put into and that's just, that works for us. But you know, it's, it's, um, it's interesting, isn't it? I think that how, I mean, this is all very much the commit section of the book. Like, how do you navigate that? And there is no right or wrong. There is just what is a good fit for both of you. Yeah, totally. And also if you have like those aligned blueprints or beliefs around those things, like, 
for, we're kind of entering into a new period in our relationship where I'm actually like earning a lot more money than Tristan, which is like, was the opposite before because like my business is super abundant and he's started a startup, but they actually don't really get paid anything because they have investors and all the money goes mm-hmm. back into the business. Mm-hmm. And so like, we're entering this new phase now where like I'm the breadwinner and I'm maybe going to be like buying a car and paying for more stuff. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting to navigate that, but we have a lot of alignment in our beliefs around money. So both of us, we love to spend money on like experiences. Uh, We're both pretty lavish. Like Tristan doesn't really think it's like that big a deal. If I'm like dropping loads of money on something, he's not judging me for it. He's kind of on the same vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. So I feel like sometimes when people have these different beliefs around money and they're in a partnership that also like totally affects that commit phase that you were talking about, because, you know, if one person spends, you know, all their money on designer clothes and the other person is like, no, we must save all of our money for like a rainy day, there's going to be some kind of conversation or like compromising that has to happen. Yeah. You know what? I love that you said that because it sounds like we're very similar to you in, in our relationship with money. Um, but also we've been on that journey. Like we've been together nearly six years. And throughout that, um, it's it's usually been one of us is earning more than the other. And it goes through various phases. There's been times where we've kind of been more um, on the same, roughly the same level. And then it just because it depends what we're doing. And we just bought a house and a really expensive dog and all sorts of things. And, and I've really had to notice because yeah, this year I've not been, because I've been so focused on the book, I haven't been doing in my business what I normally do. And I, I like Joe has re- like supported me more than he would have needed to in previous years. And that was really hard for me. Like, like I really was like, oh, you know, I'll pay you back. He's like, don't be ridiculous. I was like, I'm finding it hard to receive because I'd got to a certain place where I had a certain amount of money. And in order to do this creative program, and I didn't have to do this, but the creative project, I just didn't, I just wasn't focused on the money. I was completely focused on that. And that's been an interesting thing. So I think it's, you're right. It's, it's, you want to be on the, it's important to be on the same page and have those conversations, by the way, really early on like with someone even to the point of dating like just getting a a feel for the other person and how they relate to money and and their vision for the future and and it doesn't matter if you have some differences but it needs to be aligned enough because the fact is most people break up because of money certainly as you get older Mm. um and also understanding that that you know I, I feel like with our parents generation it was very different because obviously or like certainly our grandparents generation it was mainly it's like the man makes the money the woman takes care of the home and then our parents generation it started to change a lot of of, obviously those women were working and that's fantastic and our generation is kind of all over the place and I think it's 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 okay and it's actually a positive thing that it's going to change depending on what phase of your relationship and what phase of life you're in yeah so I find that I actually find that really exciting yeah It's really good, I think, to get clear on that early in a relationship, just what the overarching vision is, because, you know, I know couples that have broken up after seven or eight years because they never really discussed it and they just kind of assumed they were on the same page. And then it's like one person wants to build an empire and the other person wants to earn 15 grand a year and just, you know, live very like 
modestly and just live simply, which is totally valid as well. But it's just like not congruent if you're going to be yeah. in a partnership, right? Yeah. So it's like, and it's super painful for those people to break up after all those years because they just didn't discuss this thing that was really important because, you know, people are always afraid to talk about money, aren't they? So, yeah. Yeah, but it's like, it's such a big part of relating, you know. Oh my gosh, it is. I love that we're talking. I wasn't expecting us to talk about money so much, but actually I think it's really, really, really important. And it's also like, so Joe and I have been on the same page for what we desired for our life, like kind of as individuals. And then we came together and it was like, oh my God, do you want the same things I want? But it's (laughs) so exciting. So so this weekend, last weekend, we um, randomly, because like obviously you can't bloody feel like you can't leave the country, not easily at the moment. And he had a week off work. He works in the film industry. And so we were like, shit, what are we going to do? As usual, we can plan this or booked anything. And I don't even know how, like I, I'd been at a, like a business mastermind thing in Kent. And somehow we found these like really cool teepees. And obviously we met at a festival. Like Joe is just, he's from the countryside. Like he, we both just love, you know, teepees and fires and dogs and like woods and like the lake, lakes and things like that. Anyway, we stayed there and, and when we were sitting there, like chilling by the fire, having some food, I was like, both of us just had the same vision of like, so we've just bought our own house out in the countryside and it's on a good plot of land and we're going to renovate and we'll definitely make money on it and we'll live there for a bit and that's great. And we know we also in the future want to buy like a flat in um, London because we, like we have at the moment, we're still renting in London. So we've got that town countryside life. But I, then we were like, you know, can't wait to travel again because travel has been such a big part of our relationship. Um, and we go away for like over Christmas and New Year for like two months usually, which is amazing. But we're also like, God, wouldn't it be amazing that in the future when we we can we'll buy some land and like have our own house and everything. But then we can have like awesome teepees and fires and we can hold retreats there. We can rent them out when we go traveling. And and it just it's just so exciting when you're on the same page as your partner and, and that vision like it, it evolves as you evolve. And, and I guess that's been the same for you because you guys have obviously moved out to, is it Mallorca or Menorca? Because I feel like- Mallorca, Is there yeah. a Menorca as well? There is a Menorca, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Menorca is like a baby island and Mallorca is like a really big island next to Ibiza. Uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, and- you know, I often think I'm like, thank goodness that Tristan is so open-minded and easygoing about everything because I would just be so crushed and just, you know, I just wouldn't be able to be with someone who wasn't like down for all the crazy things that I just want to do in life. And, you know, all the dreams that I have that are so quantum and he's always just like, yeah, like, let's do it, you know? And I, I'm very lucky in that way. Cause he's like, very like on board with a lot of things but I know that not everyone has a partnership that promotes that kind of evolution and that growth and that constant expansion and I think it's like it can play a big role in you know what what ends up happening for you Mm -hmm. you know you're not going to chase a massive dream if you feel like your partner might leave you because of it you know it's just like not going to happen yeah Oh, I'm, you've got me interested now. I want to know what's one of your big quantum dreams for the two of you. Uh, I, uh, well, I thought of this because you were just sort of saying something very similar. Like I would love to buy a really big property in Mallorca and have like a healing center there or like retreats there. Maybe even Tristan and I will do retreats together at some point. Um, it was so funny yesterday we we're in Dea, which is this incredible part of the island here. It's, I don't think you can even build there because it's like 
preserved and just so pristine. But any, I was like up on the cliff, like looking down at all these houses on the mountain. And I was like, oh, that, that house over there, I, that's my vibe. That's what I'm going to manifest. And then when we got down to the bottom of the mountain, I realized that it's like one of the most expensive hotels in Spain. It was a full hotel with like 200 bedrooms. And I was like looking up from above being like, yeah, that's, that's a home that I would like to live in. (laughs) So we were just laughing about that because I like, I'm fancy and I I like big houses and I would love to like renovate a big property. I'm really into design. So that's something that I would love to do and to pay in cash. Mm, Oh, I love that. And thank you very much paying cash. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I only want to do it if I can pay in cash. (laughs) Beautiful. I love that. So yeah, well, now that that's cemented, I'm very excited for you and I'm very excited for our TP village. Uh, speaking of manifesting, babe, like we need to talk about manifesting a soulmate because this is like the question that I'm sure you get asked all the time. I get asked all the time. It's like, how can I manifest my soulmate? Or I'm calling in my king. I'm manifesting my king. Um, this is spoken about a lot in the spiritual and self-development communities as well of like this idea of calling in your divine masculine and manifesting it through sex magic and all these things. But, um, you know, what is, what is really like the key when it comes to manifesting a soulmate? What does that practically look like? Mm, That's a good question. The first thing I'd say is, are you really sure you want it? Because (laughs) all of that sounds really great and really exciting and really sexy The difference between, and the hard thing around manifesting a soulmate compared to the things we were talking about that, I mean, obviously look, money's got its own things and stresses and pain points around it, but you can work with you and you on that stuff. When it comes to a soulmate or a partner, you've got a whole other person's stuff to deal with. And even if this person is like your dream person on paper, they are gonna trigger the shit out of you because, you know, as the great uh, Dr. Wayne Dyer once said, you don't attract who you want, you attract who you are. So the healthier you get, that's great. You're gonna attract someone healthier and healthier, but you know, we're not, I don't know many fully enlightened people, like however great and however much love, you know, you feel for yourself and healthy you are, you're still gonna have things, things that you won't realize until that person shows up. So that's it. It's like, I always say, are you really ready? Because it will be the most amazing adventure and journey, but it will be really, really hard. And that's why so many people can get like, I I get a lot of people who contact me to work with me when they're like three months into a dynamic with someone. So it's realizing that that is not the end point. I used to think that I'm like, just when I get the guy, then, you know, when I get that, then my life can start. No, when I get that, I'm going to feel like a beginner again. That's exactly what happens. <laughs> then so, you're in the deep end again. <laughs> oh, you're in the deep end. New level, new devil. So you, I will always say, you know, your relationship with yourself determines the relationship of, you know, everything else in your life. So you you obviously need to prioritize that and, and continue to prioritize that. Like I feel this year, I've had a hard year. I'll be really honest about that. And I feel that my relationship with myself has definitely been very up and down. 
um, perhaps I got a little bit overwhelmed and complacent and the pandemic, just everything kind of got on top of me and I've really, it's been hard. And so I know, especially as I've got a book coming out next week and like, I need to spend the rest of the time between now and next Wednesday when it comes out just by myself more or less and just really looking after myself and sitting with all the shit that's been coming up for me recently. Um, so that's it. It goes back to the heel, getting ourselves into um, what are the blocks? You know, Rumi said, we don't, our job is not to seek for love. Our job is to seek for something. I'm bastardizing this, but something along the lines of to seek for all the barriers we have within us to it coming. Hmm. And so, so that's where we start. And that's not the sexy bit of manifesting. But if you don't do that, as I said earlier, you will just sabotage. You will just end up sabotaging and you won't be able to sustain that relationship. Then the fun bit, the attract energy. So we want to manifest that person. We have got to, this is like, that happens. The person comes along when we are genuinely like in love with ourselves, in love with our life. We are so happy where we are, so grateful for where we are, but really excited for what's to come. That is not to say that you've got to be there. Like when I met Joe, I would say 80% of the time I was living in the, the magic and everything was great. 20% of the time shit was coming up because I'm a human. And again, I'm not enlightened and I don't think I will be anytime soon. So know that if for the most part, you're like, life's good. And oh, I had a bit of a wobble, that's normal. It's okay, but like I get people go, oh my God, I you know, had a really bad day. Does that mean he's not gonna come because I've like completely fucked everything up? I'm like, no, you had a bad day. Like don't, don't make a bigger deal of it than it is. And I'm, you know, I'm a drama queen by nature. I used to be an actress. So that's a lot of my work is just like Persia take the drama out of the situation, <laughs> which I find really hard. So living out that energy, like feeling of magic, like imagine the lifestyle that you would have with that person that, or that you would love to have with that person and create that for yourself. So what I would do, I, I have a, a meditation called Attract Your Soulmate. And one of the things in that meditation I guide them to do is like, you know, imagining yourself in that ideal day with that person. And then it's about, okay, how can I create that thing now? So it's not, oh, I'm going to wait. You know, if, if it's like, oh, I travel with them or I'd, you know, go to a fancy restaurant or whatever the hell it is that lights your, you know, fire, um, go and do those things. Go and live, be that person as though you were already in the relationship. And then you are, you're not in a place of lacking, which is what happens when you go, I'll do that when, or I, like, oh, she's, everyone else is coupled up apart from me. It's like, well, no, I'm coupled up with me. I'm in a relationship with me. And let me tell you, it's fantastic. And when, you know, we, we also got to be aware of like how we get tripped up into feeling shit. So the easiest way is, well, I'm the last one in my social group to be single. I am, um, people, family members are always asking me like, when are you got a boyfriend yet? And it's so easy for those things to trip us up. And also I feel like people don't say that to men in the same way they do to women and it's totally. not okay. Totally. But you don't want to let yourself be taken down. So again, playfulness, keep it light. You don't have to go into it and get defensive about it. It's, um, you know, oh yeah, well, I'm having a fantastic time dating myself right now. And um, yeah, when someone treats me as fabulously as I treat me, I'll let like, then it will happen or, or you know then I then you know that's what I'm excited for so not allowing your energy to get pulled down by others stuff yeah so it really is it really is about living out energetically that which you desire to live out in that partnership and then they they turn up pretty quickly yeah 
That makes total sense. That's exactly what I do in business. It's like, I don't make decisions from like, oh, where am I now? And what is feasible? It's like, no, who am I going to be in six months? What does she choose? How do I make that happen now? Like, what do I invest in now to become that? Um, And it's like, it's not like, quote unquote, comfortable or like safe and yummy for my nervous system at all times. But it's like, well, if I'm going to become that and I'm manifesting that through choices in the now, what are those choices? And people get annoyed though, when you say that, you're like, it'll come when you least expect it. And it's like, it's fucking true. It's fucking (laughs) true. It's so true. And it's true with everything. It's not just true with romance. It's true with everything. And it is, you know, this is very Abraham Hicks, but it is the simplest way to define all of this is grateful and loving where I am right now. And, for, and, and that can be tricky because, you know, we might be going through some shit and it's, it's not, it's not about as Marianne Williamson say, pouring pink paint over it. It is acknowledging I'm struggling with this, but not allowing that one thing to hijack all of the other things that are working and that are great in our life. So being excited and grateful for where we are now and um, excited for what's to come. And I love what you were saying there about like, okay, so the, I actually talk about this in, in um, my book. Okay, if I said to you that you, in a year's time, you're going to be with the love of your life and like every everything you want in that relationship is, is true, how would you live between now and then? How would you live between now and then? Same as with your business, okay? If that thing that you've always wanted in your business, if that was going to be coming in one year's time, well, the first thing you'd be like, well, I wouldn't stress about it. <laughs> I would enjoy where I am today and I would show up for it fully. I wouldn't bother wait, like chasing that guy who never replies. I would, I would be really like, if I'm going to be dating people between now and when my man shows up, I'm going to show up. I'm going to be like really authentic and true to myself. And I'm not going to let myself be treated like shit because I know I've got a king, like he's going to be, and that's it. When you start showing up in the way that you like, like that thing is already a done deal. You energetically shift. And I, and I really like how practical you got there. Amy, when you were talking about your business and that's so useful and it's exactly the same that we need to do in our love life. And even when we have the partner, like where do I want me and Joe to be this time next year when we're hopefully at some point, one of these days gonna have a wedding. Like I want to be enjoying the journey instead of stressing about it. And, I, and like, even I've got to catch myself because I can't remember if it was when you pressed record asking about us getting married. My um, default statement when people bring up the wedding because I'm just so sick of coat. Like, I, I can't get excited about the wedding. is like, mm, you know, and I'm like, actually, Persia, that's not helpful energetically to you. That like, you don't want to be thinking of your wedding like that as just a hassle because it kind of felt like it has felt like that. It's just, you know what, that's for 2022 when everything is going to be fantastic and I'm really excited, but that's not my focus right now. So it's the same, it's the same answer. I'm not ready to think about it now, but it's just the framing of it. So get really clear on what is the language you're using to describe your current romantic situation? Because if you say, mm, I'm always single, oh shit, oh, I'm a fucking disaster. That is how you guess how you're going to feel about it. You're going to feel shit. So just watch the language. And if you can't say something positive, then just shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah. Language is so important because it's like what we're identifying with. And like you said, if you, if you can't say something positive, just literally go, I'm working on this. At least it's like, you know, I'm positively taking action to resolve this in some capacity. And 
you know, with, with business, I feel like this also applies to the manifesting love as well. Like with my business, I'm not like, is this going to happen when I have a dream? I'm like, it's happening. I just don't know exactly when. So I'm just going to do my part to make it happen, but also trust that it will happen in its divine timing. And it's definitely happening. Yes. So, but I, I feel like in love, like it's just so like tender for people and people like, is it going to happen? And that kind of leads me into the next question that I want to ask you, which is like healing from a breakup in your thirties, dating in your thirties, trying to find love in your thirties. This is so tender for so many women on so many levels because of like wanting to have children, obviously there being like a bit of a biological clock thing going on. Um, women who go through breakups in their thirties that are unexpected. And then they're suddenly like, oh, whoa, like, what is, what am I going to do? What's the path forward? Um, what advice do you typically give to women who are navigating this in their thirties? Like, let's start with going through a breakup in your thirties. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say something that might not be what you expect. <laughs> of course. But I remember doing this and this is, this is what I will get um, my clients when they are really in a head spin, particularly around the age stuff, because I get that. And sometimes you need something that is just very like worldly and you're not ready to look at the deep sort of spiritual shit around it. I get them, right. I want you to go and I want you to show me to do some research and find me like 10 celebrity couples, just cause you know, why not? Um, who got together later in life or like the woman was, uh, older, and, you know, I remember like a few years ago, someone had came back with Meghan Markle because um, she'd been through a divorce and, you know, all sorts. She didn't look like um, the, the woman who was going to marry a prince. And obviously let's, let's not delve too much into that because I know that that is quite a controversial topic in many ways. But um, I think it is, it's, it's go and get examples. Like my friend, Lucy Sheridan, who's the comparison coach, she's got this thing, PIP or PIP, proof it's possible. So we can tell ourselves, oh, it's absolutely not possible for me. It's like, well, go and see examples of other people. And then I'll get clients go, oh, well, of course, because she's really beautiful. So I'll go, okay, well, go and find me an ugly celebrity then. Like, do you know what I mean? It's like, there, there is always going to be examples of people who defied the odds and got the thing that they really wanted. And, and it makes you realize, well, if it can happen for them, it can happen for me. Like, I remember, I, I remember, oh my God, I just remember when I... <laughs> When I went through a breakup in my 20s, I remember, this is so random. Do you remember that show, The Hills? Yeah. Yeah, I was like Googling like the, the I remember the, the big dramatic breakups in The Hills. And I was like, I need to know where they are now. I need to know they got over their breakup and they were happy and they met someone else. And I did that. For some reason, it really helped me. It really helped me. It just sounds really superficial. But just sometimes those things, just just a little, a short, sharp slap around the face of like, it's okay. Don't think because you're going through this pain now, that's it for you. And you're never going to meet someone again, because that's, that is just also like statistically very unlikely. I remember a friend said to me when I was going through that breakup, she said, um, Persia, look, the reality is you have had boyfriends all your life. What makes you think that you're going to suddenly, that's it. You're done for the rest of your life. You're never going to have a boyfriend again. I was like, yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. that is you you reach you reach your quota, babe, and now it's just over for you for the next 70 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it, it, it just made me realize just like, 
yeah, you're actually not being very logical because I think when you're when you're in that place, particularly for women around the age thing in our heads, because it's been drilled into us like overtly and very insidiously in the media and in every sort of which way that after the age of 30, a woman's perceived value goes down and a man's goes up. I talk about this. I have a chapter in my book called Chateau Nerve to Pap. It's that really like nice, I think it's French, it must be French wine. And I just said, I actually am not taking that on anymore. That is bullshit. Because let me tell you, you would rather be dating mid thirties Persia than mid twenties Persia. I actually get better with age. That is the story I'm having for myself. That is I agree. I agree. I've a fine aging wine. Yes. Yes. And every, I think every woman is, but it's just like a, it's a really hard, uh, like generational, deeply subconscious story that lives somewhere in our bodies. I feel, you know, even, even as I'm like starting to age, you know, and just seeing like certain things on my body and like, I still get those weird little thoughts sometimes of like, oh, fuck, you know, yeah. oh, I need to fix that. Oh, yeah. you know, and I'm certainly like not perfect. I can be quite superficial sometimes with this stuff, but it's like, it's really deep work for women to do to actually opt out of that. And it's not mm-hmm. like a perfect journey of opting out of that and never, you know, doubting yourself again, because it's yeah. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, on that question of beauty and aging, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm 35 now and I've always looked really young and I remember being like, oh, fuck. Like, there is that thing. My mum's used to always say, she's like, you think it will never happen to you? <laughs> you just think, I, I just thought I wouldn't age. <laughs> and, and it is, like you said, like, I'm not, I'm not enlightened. So I am not beyond going, like, identifying with my body and more so how I see me than how other people see me. But it is, it, you know, I, I completely believe women should be free to do whatever the fuck they want to do with how they look. Mm-hmm. But all I would say is, whatever you do, try and if you can have it coming from a loving place for yourself, as opposed to what, again, we're conditioned, got to fix it, I'm not good enough, then and have it coming from a place of celebrating yourself. It's, a, it's such a fine line, but it's a very different energy. Because otherwise, like, do you know what it feels like? Life will feel like, or your body is going to feel like one big game of like splatter rat. Because it's like, oh, I fixed that, you know, wrinkle. Oh, but fuck, there's a big mole that's growing with a huge hair out of it, out of my ass. Like, I don't know. Like, There's always going to be something new that's going to pop up. And, And so can we be playful with it? Can we be open about it? Can we like not take it all so seriously and remind ourselves we are a fine wine, but what's wonderful is, you know, it's okay to wear makeup or do whatever that whatever makes you feel good, but try to make it not about hiding and feeling ashamed of, of what is your, your reality. And the reality is we are all aging. And, you know, in the way that, you know, Joe is starting to go gray and like, there is that thing. It's like, oh yeah, a guy going gray, like silver fox, really hot. And a woman, shit, no, we've got to die. You know, it's like we react differently. But at the same time, you know, men, my God, men and going balding. That is, I think us women, we just don't understand how that feels. Like, you know, we have to, there is more common ground than we realize with men. Every man I know is like their biggest fear in the world is is going bald. And that can be changed, but it's really fucking painful and expensive to change that. Mm. So it's realizing, you know, it's not just us women. Like men, men have their own stuff and they feel it too. And they don't have the brilliant gifts of makeup like we do, which is like how quickly you can suddenly feel better when you just 
pop on a bit of a bit of makeup. Yeah, totally, totally. And what about, uh, you know, advice for women who are in their 30s dating after a breakup, you know, mm-hmm. and all of those fears that can come up, particularly like if you want to have a baby where, you know, there, there is an expiry date on that, like that's a biological thing, like how to navigate dating without projecting that kind of fear of, you know, wanting to get pregnant, wanting to have a family into, you know, date one with someone, you know, Mm -hmm. but also like not beating around the bush with your desire either. And like wasting that time with someone who isn't in alignment with that desire. Mm. Do you know what? And this is, women hate it when I tell them this, but it is just true. You have to firstly own with yourself and in yourself, where am I at in my life now? What do I desire? And when you date people, you need to have the courtesy to do the same thing. And I, again, when we go, oh, I couldn't possibly tell them that, they'll run a mile. Let me tell you this. When I met Joe, he literally had turned 27 the day before he met me. He was not looking for the love of his life or his wife. He, he just, he was just having fun. Like he'd been single for a few years, which I literally, I don't think I'd ever dated anyone who had like not been with someone for as long as he had. So he was ready for a relationship, but he didn't, he wasn't looking for one. And I was just so upfront, literally even at the festival, because partly probably because I never, I didn't think I was going to see him again, but I was like, this is where I'm at in my life. And I, you know, I want to have fun with someone, but I am not interested in having another sort of year or two long relationship. Like I will, I'm happy to date people, but really I'm in a place in my life where I'm ready to meet my partner. And I don't know if that's going to be you, but you know, what I want is, I know for the future, one day I want to get married likely have kids I've got some fears around that but I'm working on it I was just so upfront and he was just like because he'd never met a woman who who just owned her truth and I wasn't saying oh it's going to be with you because I didn't know I didn't even know if I was going to see him again but I was just very clear around where I was at in my life and honestly the women I work with who get to the place where they're able to do that they're like they are so shocked men actually respect you and you know what some men will walk away because they are not there and they are not ready. Some men might not have been ready, but because you're so like owning your your desires and who you are and they're just smitten with you, they'll be like, fuck, I know if I don't step up, she's gonna, she's gonna not stick around. So different from a woman like, I'm gonna deny my truth because I don't want them to run away. Guess what? They're gonna run away, they were gonna run away anyway. Yeah. And they can feel energetically, they won't understand it on a conscious level, but they can feel energetically that you're not being, you don't have integrity, you're not being authentic and you're not owning your truth. There is nothing sexier than a woman who who owns her truth un- unapologetically and is, you know, she she might be a little bit, she might be a little bit sad if that if you don't want the same things, but she'll be all right because she knows she's great and she'll know, well, the right person will come along. So if it's not you, it's not you. I'm, I'm not going to dick you around. And, you know, we've got, women get so, um, fixated on men being ghosters, men lying, blah, blah, blah. Guess what? They do that because they're mirroring back to us our own lies. And that's really hard to hear. But if we are not being true with them and with ourselves about where we are in life and what we desire, of course, we're going to attract people who mirror that back to us. We have got a part to play in this and we've got to take responsibility for it. Yeah, totally. There are also many women who are avoidant, who cheat and who lie. 100%, that was me. Yeah. Literally, for so long, that was me. 
Totally. I don't buy into this like men ain't shit like narrative that you see online and like all men are like this. And it's like some, some men are for sure, but so are some women. So are some non-binary people. So like there's like, it exists wherever you look for it for sure. But it's like, I also think, you know, if you're a woman in your thirties and you desire to have a baby, there's going to be men out there who are in the exact same position, who have also been through a breakup, who are like, I want to have a family, who are looking for that as well. It's like, it's so interesting how, you know, women, sometimes we assume like, oh, we're, we're just the ones always yearning for love. And like, like, you know, maybe that man might choose me, but he doesn't need me. And it's like men need and desire love also. And men desire yeah. and love and commitment and romance also. A hundred percent. And actually I ask that all the time to guy friends and even guys I interview for my podcast, um, because I'm like, I just need the women to hear this. They're like, of course we want love. Of course we do. But you know, we need to remember that this is not about waiting to be picked. It's about picking ourselves. When you pick yourself, you become so magnetic and you pick yourself over and you're like, you know, for example, if I desire, that's my last relationship before Joe broke down because we wanted different things. And we, you know, we really got on. We had a lot of fun and we were best mates. I could have said, oh, maybe I don't really want to get married and, and have a kid because he, he got really clear and said, I don't want to do that and took him a while to, to be really honest with himself and then me about that. And I could have stayed in that relationship, but I was like, I just, I, it would not be true to myself to do that. So I had to pick me and my future over staying in that relationship. And, and that's what's really important because when we don't own our truth, it always bites, bites us in the ass, always. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be resentful 20 years later, nagging your husband about the dishes when what you really are, you know, upset about is like that compromise you made 20 years ago that you're now living in misery because of, you know, it's like, yeah, um, all about it. So I guess all of this, like wrapping all of this up requires a certain level of trust and surrender, Mm -hmm. uh, which is difficult for many people, particularly those who are like the micromanagers and the people who want to know every detail and want the certainty of when things are happening. And maybe even women who are in relationships who might be listening, who are like wanting that engagement ring or wanting, you know, wanting to know when's he going to propose or when are we going to have kids or, you know, when is this dream going to happen? So like, what's the line between like, surrendering and then that sort of other shadow that you mentioned of like not speaking your truth kind of waiting to be picked like what's what's the difference between surrender and that kind of energy god it's such a good question and it's a hard one I have this expression surrender to the festival because when I met Joe was at a festival and before I'd I'd been at that same festival the year before and had just been like totally trying to control looking for a guy like I call it catting for cock and just trying to force things and it just did not work <laughs> and um and so I was actually speaking at the festival the following year so I was like I better put my money where my mouth is and practice what I preach and not show up in that crazy psycho energy of just like ah, you know I need a man I need a drug that's what men were to me for such a long time and um and so I said I'm going to surrender to the festival and I'm going to be present wherever I am stop trying to because what I, I, and I, I've even had this like recently, because I've been having a bit of a hard time and 
you know that feeling where you're like, oh, this isn't it. Like where I am isn't right. Like I should be there. Um, I should be, I should be, you know, somewhere else. And it's like, no, where I am and what I'm going through is perfect. It's exactly what I need. And the the faster I can just accept that and embrace that, the faster that I will get to the next level, the next thing that I want to call in. So, so when it comes to when you're dating, you know, I, I would always say be honest about where you are, communicate that with the person. And then you have to detach from the outcome. Maybe that person wants the same things. Maybe they don't. But maybe, you know, I, I between um, my last relationship breaking up and meeting Joe, there was a year and a half, I did a lot of work on my love life. And I dated three different guys during that time. And then I had two separate periods in that time of four months where I was literally living with my parents, building a business. And I didn't have one guy texting me no apps. I had no validation from anyone but myself, essentially my, my spiritual um, relationship. And those guys, like a couple of them, I really wanted it, to, the guys I was dating, I really wanted it to work out and it didn't. And I had to lick my wounds for a period of time and I obviously was disappointed, but I had with those two guys practiced all of these new behaviors that I, you know, I teach women in my programs. Um, and in the book. And so even though it didn't work out, when I, it got me so much more ready. So when I met Joe, put, speaking my truth, putting boundaries down around sex, all of these various things I talk about in the book just happened naturally. Like mm. it, it wasn't, I wasn't doing it for the first time. And so I realized, God, if those like previous things did have, like I, I that's why I needed to go through those they absolutely served their purpose. It wasn't a failure. Like at the time it can feel like a failure when it doesn't work out. Like every single relationship and including, or even in a way like mainly the ones that seemed like a complete fucking shit show and disaster at the time and the breakups were horrific. Those are the reasons I have the relationship I'm in today. And whilst I do not show up in the relationship perfectly, my God, am I, you know, I'm very aware. I'm so much more self-aware and I know how to get back into the good place uh, much faster. And, you know, I have tools now. So it's realizing that wherever you are right now is perfect. The only thing that stands between you and getting that relationship or anything you want in life is how much resistance is there? Like, how can you accept where you are and love it and embrace it and, you know, just just find the good in it and find the lessons and clean up the bits you need to clean up. Who do you need to make amends to? Who do you need to apologize to? What do you need to realize about yourself or your choices or whatever it is? And, and then be like, and I'm open. I'm open to the next gift or the next person when the time is right. And when you're living your life from that place, predominantly, don't have to be 100% of the time, but predominantly, that is where the magic rushes in. And this, this book really is about that magic, you know, the magic of life. Like how amazing is it that any moment this amazing person can walk into your life? You know, I look at my clients sometimes, I'm like, I'm so jealous. When they go through a breakup, they're like, are you high? I was like, not right now, no, I'm not. I'm jealous because I know what excitement and amazing stuff you've got to come. Like the best things that have ever happened in my life have been born out of deep deep heartbreak in all areas mm. of my life they yeah. really have and you know my relationship some of the best moments in my relationship come after we've gone through a really hard time 
That's what intimacy is not born out of everything going right. Intimacy and magic is so often born out of the pain and out of things going what seemed like they were going wrong, but actually you were being course corrected and redirected onto, onto the path that is right for you. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. So the surrender is not like, oh, I'm just going to sit back and let this person like pick me and hope that, hope that they choose the same things that I desire. It's like, no, like boldly declare what you desire, but then surrender to who it's going to be, surrender to the timing, surrender to the magic that the universe has in store for you and to the festival and that's it it is it is about taking action sorry I realized I went off complete tangent as I'm prone to do but back to your question it is taking action but what we were talking about earlier we so often women are taking action in the wrong way so their action is go on all the dating apps date like it's a numbers game date everyone which is total lack lack and scarcity mentality it's no it's like come back you know, the message of my first book, The Inner Fix, focus on the insides, the outsides will take care of themselves. I'm not saying, like, dating apps, great. But if you are using them to fix yourself or to find someone because you feel like shit, then they're never going to work for you. They are a tool, but you want to use them when you're feeling good. And what often happens with my clients is when they're feeling good, then they'll go on the dating apps to practice all of the behaviors they've learned and to practice their skills and, and the work we've been doing. Um, but then because they're energetically open and they're not looking to that that um, app to give them that like transient hit of validation, they're open and they're in a much healthier space than, than someone will walk into their life in a completely unexpected way. Like I see that all the time. So it's about getting clear on like, am I taking action in the right areas? And, you know, like coming from a more surrendered place in the other areas. Like I can't make the guy text me back. We think, and I can't make the guy fall in love with me. I used to think I could. I had all of these tricks and spells. Else, <laughs> it's like no. Like the the key there is you fall in love with you. Yeah, you fall in love with you, and then the right guy will find you when the time's right. Amazing, babe. Thank you so much. This has been such a gift. So many pearls of wisdom. Uh, to- we didn't even talk about the name of your book. What's the name of your book so people can look it up? <laughs> it is Love is Coming. And the subtitle is How to Find Real Love in a Superficial World. Mm, love that. Love that. That's a good affirmation even. Just the love is coming. The love is coming. I say that all the time with money. I'm like, the money is coming. The money is coming. Mm-hmm. The desire is coming. The desire is coming. Mm, that's exactly it. It's it's on its way, you know, um, because it just, it's like your whole nervous system goes, and then it's, okay, so what do I need to do now from a good feeling place that might help? Like not something that's coming from a place of scarcity and fear of like, oh, well, I, I better go and like try and make, you know, get 10 new clients. If, if you're coming from a frantic energy, that's not going to help you. And actually sometimes if, you know, Oprah's thing of just do the next right things what's the next most loving thing tune in with yourself that might be go for a walk go and make yourself some food call a friend and sometimes it might be get three things off the to-do list done it just totally depends moment to moment like there's no cookie cutter solution it's like listen to yourself because your 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 inner guide knows so just listen to that yeah yeah you can't force a flower to bloom so Mm. yeah Thank you so much, love. Uh, guys, you can find Persia on Instagram. Persia Lawson, right? Just, at that's Persia Lawson, yes. At Persia Lawson. The love is coming. Love is coming. Uh, anywhere else they should check you out. 
Yeah, so they can get some freebies. I've got a free training called The Fastest Way, uh, way. The Fastest Way to Meet Your Soulmate, and they can read the introduction of the book for free if they want to get a taster before buying. And so that is at loveiscomingbook.com. If they want to get some other free resources, they can just go to persialawson.com. I've got a weird name, so that's been quite useful for yeah. social media and website. Yeah. Yeah, it's a gorgeous name. It's a bougie name, Persia Lawson. You know, it's funny, actually. So my middle name's Arabella, and I'm really contemplating when we eventually get married, Joe and I, his surname is Gould. And I'm like, maybe I'll double barrel it because then this would be my name, Persia Arabella Lawson Gould. <laughs> How much I sound like, and then I might just buy myself a title and be like, Lady Persia Arabella. Yeah, get a manor, get a manor in the country, babe. And then it's like full aristocrat vibes that's like my last name like because because I'm from Australia my my granddad before he passed away he would always like he was getting a bit delirious towards the end and he'd always go how's Amy and that aristocrat that she's dating because my husband's last name is Rushworth and his name's Tristan James Rushworth and we would be like Tristan James Rushworth the third um but yeah love it do it (laughs) I will I think I will. (laughs) Amazing, honey. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. It's been, uh, I have to just want, I want to just say thank you to you, Amy, you're a brilliant interviewer. And yeah, I was feeling a bit and a bit all over the place today, but I feel my energy feels restored and I'm looking outside, looking at the ocean and it's sunny for once in the UK. And I'm just feeling really grateful and I'm feeling the magic again. So just goes to show that the work is never done. And when you are open to the magic, it turns up. Amazing, babe. Vibes. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope this episode ignited you, expanded you, and enriched your heart, your mind, your life in some way. If it did, reach out on Instagram. My handle is this is Amy Rushworth, or you can head over to my website for all my courses, retreats, and magical offerings at amyrushworth.com. If the show feels like a vibe for you, make sure you subscribe. And if you have 60 seconds to rate and review or even to just share the show with a friend, I would be so, so, so grateful. And it helps more amazing, beautiful people like you to discover this show and to improve their lives for the better. Stay tuned for the next episode. And until then, I'm sending you strength, grace, ferocious courage, and a friendly reminder to always love yourself fiercely and to go out there and live your most unapologetic life.